You're listening to a rebroadcast of a live walk talk from Instagram. Good morning, everybody. Awesome. Um, I'm going to go ahead and get my introduction uh, out of the way. Now, if you are listening on the podcast or on YouTube and you want to skip through my introduction because you've heard it before, just skip, 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 skip till you hear me get to the point that says, let's get to today's walk talk. Now, um, if you're watching live, of course, you can't do that. Um, But if you are watching live, thank you. Thanks for joining me live. I do appreciate that. Um, If you're new to my ministry, my name is Matt McMillan. I'm a Christian author. I've written seven books. All my books are available on Amazon in paperback and Kindle. Check them out if you get some time. I did have somebody ask me the other day, what about the hardcover editions that I was going to release? I am still going to do that. I just have not had the time to do that. I actually have all of the hardcovers resent to me. I just got to get around to uploading them and I got to make a couple modifications to the actual text of the book. That way it fits in the hardcover um, format. So soon. So I will announce that. I appreciate you guys. And when I say soon, I don't know when it's going to be, but I appreciate you asking me. Now, if you have read any of my books, please go back to Amazon. Leave me a quick review. I always appreciate reading those reviews. They're very encouraging to me. And if you are listening on the podcast, again, my, my podcast, the name of my podcast is Walk Talks with Matt McMillan. It's available on every major podcast platform. So a podcast is basically radio on demand if you don't know what it is. So be sure to check out Walk Talks with Matt McMillan. And um, a lot of people give me some good feedback. They go back to the very beginning and they binge all of my podcast episodes. I'm up to episode 201. That's what this episode is. Um, If you're listening to the podcast, please pause it, leave me a quick review, and then come back and finish listening to today's Walk Talk. Does grace promote sin? (laughs) Um, I'm also on YouTube. Thank you for watching on YouTube. Hit the bell button if you want to be notified. Um, Give me a thumbs up and be sure to hit subscribe. All right, so let's get to today's Walk Talk. Does grace promote sin? (laughs) So when we get into the topic of grace, it's very cloudy for a lot of people. So today I'm going to talk about does grace promote sin? And we're just going to go over some of these basics here to see, does it? (laughs) Let's let's go over that today. So before I begin, um, here's what I'm going to base today's walk talk on. Now, when you have a social media ministry, any type of ministry, and you are firmly planted in the grace of God, you're going to say a lot of good things about your forgiveness. You're going to say a lot of good things about your righteousness. And all of this is going to be based on Jesus. But the problem is most of our churches and most ministries do not focus on Jesus. Therefore, Because the ministries, majority of them, it's par for the course, (laughs) majority of the ministries that are on planet earth, majority of our pulpits, majority of our seminaries, majority of our Bible colleges do not focus on Jesus. Therefore, most people, when you begin to let them know (laughs) about their complete forgiveness, about their complete righteousness, which came through the cross through the resurrection, this is going to, it's going to stir up a lot. (laughs) It's never our goal. So we are never trying to stir up trouble. We are never trying to create shock value. The gospel is shocking enough on its own without us attempting to kind of poke at people. Okay. So, and I get accused of this (laughs) so much, so many comments that I get or messages or messages from people. They, they accuse me of Attempting to stir up the algorithm through shock. Now, listen, I know how the algorithms work on social media. And if I really wanted to stir up shock, I would I would preach a try harder, do better, give it your best shot <laughs> message. Those are the ones that truly stir up the algorithms. The ones that say, put God first. The ones who tell you to get up and go to church and be committed and all, even I'm saying this right now, and it might be stirring up some feelings for you, but 
my message is based on Jesus. And when it's based on Jesus, it's going to be shocking on both sides. Okay. It's never my goal. Ultimately, ultimately, here's my goal. My goal is to help you be confident in who you are and who Christ is and who you are together. This is going to greatly improve the quality of your life. I want to help you improve the quality of your life by understanding what Jesus accomplished. So when you begin to talk about this stuff, there's going to be questions that you get. So everything that I post, something about it is based on Jesus. (laughs) Everything. I'm trying to think of a post that I've done recently that's not based on something that Christ has accomplished. And when this is the focus of your ministry, it's difficult for certain people because Christ is no big deal to most of our churches. Christ is no big deal to most seminaries, most Bible colleges, most pulpits. He's just kind of an afterthought, like just like whatever, you know, he's even second in command to pastor (laughs) or third or fourth below the elder board. So when, when you talk about the stuff that Jesus does, you're going to get accused of some stuff. So one of the number one, if not the number one accuse, uh, accusations <laughs> that we get when we begin to talk about what Jesus has accomplished is you are telling people to sin. You are promoting sin by promoting grace. So we're going to talk about that today. Now, I did a post, um, I think it was a TikTok and a reel. I refurbished it as a reel. And I got some, some, um, comments. Okay. That's I'm fine with that. (laughs) The comments, they always come here. Here are the three comments that I want to focus in on today, because I wrote these comments down. I'm going to talk about this in my next walk talk. I'm going to dive deep into these, these questions that people have. Now, first of all, let me tell you what I said in the actual TikTok. I said, Here's what I said. You can go back and watch it. I said, you could sin 24-7, 365, literally sin every second of the day, and you're still forgiven. Now, (laughs) you know, the religious system wants me to throw in a yeah, but, a but, beep, but, beep, but, beep, but. They want some type of fly in the ointment. They want me to say something else. They want to use... (laughs) excuses to downgrade what I just said, because what I just said is the truth. I said, you could literally sin 24, seven, 365, and you're still forgiven. So here are the three comments I'm going to talk about today. Okay. Number one, the first comment that I want to point out (laughs) is it sounds like you're promoting sin. It sounds like you're, you are, if you can't understand my country accent, it sounds like you're promoting sin. Okay. That's number one. Number two, you act like sin is no big deal. (laughs) That's number two. And then the third comment, and there was a lot of comments, but these are the three that I handpicked. And then the third is, this is cheap grace, which causes people to sin more. All right. So before I, before I break down these three, I'm going to go over all three of these and I'm going to reply to each three. (laughs) Okay. With my voice in this walk talk, because commenting on social media just does not get, (laughs) get the gist of it. And when you have a social media ministry, you have to come to the point where you're just like, I I'm not going to sit here and try to respond to all of this. (laughs) Okay. So you leave people with just their comment or you delete the comment. If it's super rude, sometimes you'll spend some time trying to interact with them, but it just doesn't, you can't get the gist, especially on TikTok because you only get so many characters and you can't post a link. So when I do these walk talks, these walk talks typically are based on something, is based on something that I'm dealing with ad nauseum. So recently it's, does God's grace promote sin? Okay, now, before I get into this, I'll talk about a couple things in regard to God's grace. So Paul dealt with this same thing, okay? Paul went from a promoter of the law to a promoter of of grace. 
he, he called himself the best of the best in regard to obeying the commandments. He actually said, I was found faultless among my peers. But what did he say? All of that is dung. I count that as dung because I just want to know Christ. So when you talk about grace, ultimately you're talking about Christ. But Paul was accused of these things. Look at it this way. Paul, when he wrote to the Romans, he said he is being accused of things that are not true, such as let's do evil so that good may come of it. And he even answers rhetorical questions. Should we continue in sin? No, I'm not saying that. But when you talk about grace, you get accused of promoting sin. So what, what is grace? What is it? You know, a lot of people say grace is just when you really mess up. You got to get some of that grace. Hmm. <laughs> Some people say, you know, uh, grace is, is for those, <laughs> those loose churches or those loose people. It's got the grace. Mm-hmm. Ah, we're going to talk about that in great detail today. That grace is not just for the big bad stuff. Grace is not just for those hippie Christians. <laughs> grace is not for it's a little dab now and again. In the book of Acts, Paul called the gospel the gospel of grace. Now the word the gospel simply means message. But he said this is the gospel of grace. The gospel. The good news of God's grace. So the actual gospel is the gospel of grace. Now due to this, <laughs> in the book of Acts, he was attacked by a mob at a religious facility. He was beaten. He was, look, he almost died so many times in the book of Acts because he was no longer promoting the law. He was promoting grace. He was promoting the true standards of the law. Don't get me wrong on that. We're not saying, you know, we get accused of being antinomian. Uh, My friend Jeremiah Ryan did a, um, a recent Instagram live, put it on YouTube. Be sure to check out Jeremiah's, uh, his ministry, The Way Ministries. Antinomian, we are not antinomian. Antinomians say the law is a bad thing. We, in the New Covenant community, we don't say that the law is bad. Is bad. Now, this is just really a quick sidebar here. We say the law is perfect. We say the law is a wide road. But this wide road will lead you to destruction. You need this narrow gate of grace. Okay? A lot of people say the wide path of destruction is drinking, smoking, cussing, going to the club, watching the porn, cheating on your wife, all these other bad things. Oh, no. When you look at the wide path of destruction, that's 613 commandments wide, 10 of which are the 10 commandments. Okay? But we are not antinomian. We are saying the law is what Paul said. It's holy, it's perfect, it's right, it's true. But when you put somebody under it, it's going to cause you to realize you're a hypocrite in need of grace. Jesus did the same thing in Matthew 5 through 7. And we look at Matthew 5 through 7 as a give it your best shot. It's not a give it your best shot. It is a death sentence. You're not trying harder. (laughs) Jesus starts out saying, be perfect like God. So when you get the true standards of the law taught, whether it's from Paul, from Jesus, from me, I'm going to say, go and do it. But when you do it, do it all. Okay. Deuteronomy 4.2 says, do not add to, do not take away. And some people, just another quick sidebar, sidebar. Some people say we still need the moral part of the law, which is the 10 commandments. But the Jews didn't allow that. You can't take out just 10. And nobody's even obeying the Sabbath unless you're a Seventh-day Adventist. And even then, they got to obey the other 612. Galatians chapter 3 says, You are cursed if you don't continue to do everything in the book of the law. You nullify the grace of God when you attempt to follow the law. James said, If you break one commandment, you've broken them all. Here's what what we do when we attempt to chop up the law, the moral part, and we say we got to have this. Again, (laughs) I can already hear it. Are you just saying we can sin? Here it is again, which goes right back to the title of this walk talk. 
If you went into your local gas station and you had a 24-pack of Coca-Cola sitting there in front of you and you're considering that you want to purchase that pack of Coca-Cola, it's a whole case, but, but you only want six. You open up that pack of Coca-Cola, you take out six of the 12-ounce cans, you put them up on the counter, the clerk would look at you like you're crazy. He would say, nope, you got to buy the whole thing. You don't just get six, you know, in our con, in our context, <laughs> in regard to the, the law, we cherry pick 10 of 613. You know, Paul said in second Corinthians three, that the law is a ministry of death and condemnation. And he singles out the 10 commandments. He says the ministry written on stone and the 10 commandments were the only part of the law, which was written on stone. And then he says, there's a greater ministry. It is the ministry of the spirit. It is Christ in you and through you and with you. But when you begin to teach this true standard, you're going to get accused of it. So when I say you're completely forgiven because the magnitude of what happened at the cross is not taught in the majority of any place on planet earth, it's a very small pocket, <laughs> but it's out there. People say, I'm telling you to sin. Sounds like you're promoting sin, Matt. Sounds like you're saying sin is no big deal. Oh, this is grace? Huh. This is cheap grace. This will cause people to sin more. But Paul got accused of this. He dealt with it and he, he flung back the rhetorical questions twice in Romans chapter three and Romans chapter six. And he said, I'm not saying to do bad stuff. I'm telling you, you're forgiven. Same with me. I never promote sin. I never tell you to sin. There are certain ministries that do that. There are certain groups <laughs> that do promote it. And you might even think of a certain sin, but then you thinking of that certain sin is because your conscience is seared because you've been taught about certain sins. But Romans chapter one says every sin from gossip to murder deserves death. Every sin. So if you, if bitterness, gluttony, So we got to stop focusing on the sin and we got to start focusing on the savior. That's what I like to do. Okay. Because I know what it's like to try to not sin. Good luck. You're going to sin more. So in the book of Acts, Paul called the gospel, the gospel of grace. He was almost killed several times. There was even a group of men who made a vow never to eat again until they killed Paul. And who was this group? Was it the people who were drinking, smoking, cussing, going to the club, looking at the porn and everything else that all of our modern church wants to say is the worst of the worst? No, it was the religious group. <laughs> it was those who thought they were following the commandments. They didn't cherry pick the moral part. They did all of them. And for the sins that they broke, they would just go once a year to the day of atonement and receive forgiveness at the temple. Hebrews 9.22 says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. So they would receive forgiveness annually at the temple by way of animal blood. Yet Jesus is the final bloody sacrifice. This is who Hebrews 10, 26 is talking about. There's no sacrifice left for sins at the temple. But yet we want to tell people if they deliberately sin, there's no sacrifice left. No, this is talking about a Hebrew person who continued to go to the temple and said, oh, I'm just giving my animal to the Levitical priest and I am forgiven. There's no sacrifice left there. And you're deliberately sinning according to the law. They couldn't remember all 613. Every sin you commit is deliberate. You're not a robot. <laughs> but even non-deliberate sins required an animal death. We see this in the book of Leviticus. So deliberate and non-deliberate sins require a death. Animals before the cross. Jesus after the cross. Okay, so what else is grace? I want to talk about what is this grace? So grace, <clears throat> I like this. Let's start out with this part when I talk about grace. The author of Hebrews said this, it is good for your heart to be strengthened by grace. It is good for your heart to be strengthened by grace. What does that say? 
everything about you. If you want to be strong in the Lord, you have to understand grace. Paul told the Ephesians, it is by grace you have been saved. Grace, of course, through faith, not everybody's saved. This is not inclusionism. This is not universalism. This is, it is by grace. God has done everything on his part. Now be reconciled back. It takes two to tango. You know, if there's somebody drowning in the ocean and the Coast Guard pulls up, that person still has to grab the life preserver. The Coast Guard is not saying, now, all right, I got do not disturb on my phone, but the phone calls are still coming in. Hopefully this is not an issue. But back to my point, if a Coast Guard, if the Coast Guard rolls up to somebody drowning in the ocean, do you think the Coast Guard is going to say, now ask me for this life preserver? No, the life preserver is handed out. So the forgiveness offer is out on the table. What Christ has done has been reconciled to you. You have to be reconciled back by accepting this forgiveness. Not everybody's forgiven. Not everybody's saved. Okay, so John said this in the first chapter of his gospel. Grace is the opposite of law. He compared Jesus and grace to Moses and the law, contradicting each other. Paul told the Ephesians, excuse me, Paul told the Romans, if it's based on works, it cannot be based on grace. What does that say? Grace is the only way to God. Paul told the Colossians, in the same way you were saved, now walk in it. How were you saved? By grace. Okay, so grace is, it's unfathomable. We, it's un, when the word grace is used in scripture, the word hyper is used. Super abounding. Now there's even a group that don't like that. They insult God's grace by calling it hyper. But that is the very type of grace that they need. And that is the only type of grace. If it's not hyper, it's not grace. It is super abounding. Romans chapter five, super abounding, which means there's nothing that could top it. John also said, this is grace upon grace. How? Jesus. So grace is not an add on. Grace is not trendy. Grace is the deal. <laughs> grace is what caused Paul to deal with fighting wild beasts on the road to Ephesus. Grace is what got Peter crucified upside down. Grace is what got James stoned to death. Grace is, <laughs> grace is the gospel. It's not an add-on. It's not something that you rely on just in case. Grace is something that it is immeasurable. Okay. But here is the problem with grace. It's not fair. That's not, it's not a problem for me. <laughs> That's not a problem for me. But because grace is not fair, that, that is it right there. So because grace is not fair, because grace cannot be gauged like the law, the law is fair. The law is fair. You do this, you get that. This happens, this happens. That's why we have laws of the land. <laughs> you know, but when you get into grace, it's not fair. There's no way to gauge it. So when you promote grace, you are promoting something that is unmeasurable, immeasurable, ungaugeable. However you want to say it, you can, you cannot, you cannot number it. You cannot put it on different levels. It is, it's bigger and greater than you can even imagine. This is hard for people to grasp. Why? Because Jesus is not a big deal to most of our churches. If Jesus was a big deal, not pastor, not the six part sermon, not this awesome surround system. And I'm not against surround systems. I'm not against a pastor. I'm not against, but if the message is not the center 
at its center, everything that Christ accomplished with, with no fly in the ointment, it's going to be hard to deal with. So, so let's go over, you know, real quickly. When you promote Jesus, you promote grace. That's the bottom line to it. That's what I wanted to get out in the beginning before I got into these three rebuttals about me promoting sin. Okay, because I'm going to dive, dive into these. But I just wanted to say, when, when you make a big deal out of Jesus, you are going to be making a big deal out of grace. This almost got Paul killed. This is, is what caused so much persecution for the early church. And grace, what happened at the cross is just unfathomable for people who they think they're doing something for God or with God. <laughs> or they think they are doing something to draw near to God. And they'll go back and they'll use passages from Judaism, which... Everything that the Judaic system was going through could never cause them to draw near to God. You are not drawing near to God. <laughs> you street preaching and putting it on TikTok, that's not causing you to draw near to God. You starting out every single one of your TikTok is don't scroll. Share this with five people. They might need this. This might be their last chance. That's not causing you to get near to God. So you're going to have to come up with a different reason to tell people stuff on the street. You're going to have to come up with a different reason to tell people don't scroll or just say, just don't even say don't scroll. Let them watch it or let them scroll if they want to scroll. Why do you need to get them to trigger the algorithms? If your message is so important, let it just be and whatever happens, happens. But this is hard for us to grasp because we think we got to get a million followers or we got to sell a, a zillion books or we got to, we got to, we got to, we got to go, we got to do, we got to be, we got to start, we got to stop because grace is not enough. But it is. So let's dive into this today. Does grace promote sin? So the three, if you're just joining me, I'm going to go over three rebuttals to a TikTok that I made and these three rebuttals was accusing me <laughs> of promoting sin. So here's what I said. I'm going to, I'm going to recap this just in case you just joined me live in this TikTok. I said, you could sin 24, seven, 365, and you're still forgiven. You could literally commit a sin every second of the day until the day you die. You're still forgiven. And why would that be? Because you've trusted in Jesus. This is hard to understand. So the comments, I get it. I get it. So I'm going to talk about three of these today, which will help you understand the gospel a little bit better. So the first rebuttal was, it sounds like you're promoting sin. Okay. So... Where am I promoting sin? Because I tell you, because you've trusted Jesus. If you haven't trusted Jesus, you're not forgiven. You're on your way to hell. You need to trust Jesus before it's too late. Today is your day of salvation. Okay? And you might have just heard me talk. Maybe it's live right now or in the future and you believe Jesus. Great. You're saved. You're forgiven. You got to deal with that fact. You're reborn instantly. You're a new creation. Okay, now, if that's you, you're forgiven. You could sin every second of the day until the day you die. You're still forgiven. Now, what part of that did I just promote sin? Should we continue sinning? Certainly not. But you still could and you still would be forgiven. <laughs> no, you got to repent. Okay, so you're forgiven until you sin again? Uh, yeah, but if you keep doing it. Okay, but what if you do keep doing it? You're not forgiven anymore? Uh, and then they'll get angry. 
Because of the frontier revivalists, this word repent has been turned into a work. It has been turned into a works-based righteousness, as if I got to stop a sin in order to be forgiven of it. That's not true. Stopping sinning didn't forgive you. Before the cross, the Hebrew people, the Jews, who had the old covenant, who had the law, who had the sacrificial system, how did they receive forgiveness? Did they stop sinning? No, they went to the temple once a year at the Day of Atonement. They received forgiveness annually, not repentance by repentance. Also, what if you don't repent properly? And how are you sure you repented properly? Are you sure? Okay, if you're doing that, now you're judging yourself according to yourself. What if you do it again? So you're not forgiven until you do it, or you're forgiven until you do it again? Do you see see how this is just a cyclical error? (laughs) You don't stop a sin to be forgiven of it. You stop a sin because you're holy, and that's what makes sense to you. Yeah, but I'm still doing it. Okay, you're still holy, you're still forgiven. Oh, this doesn't make any sense. Do you see it? Because our modern church does not understand, for the most part, what Christ accomplished at the cross, which is once for all forgiven, once for all forgiveness, this is difficult to grasp. So when you tell somebody that they're forgiven, yeah, but you got to repent. Yeah, but he said repent. I understand that. There are two Greek words for repent in scripture. Metaneo, metanoia. Metaneo is the repentance of faith. That is going from I do not believe to I believe. That is the repentance that saves. That happens once. Then you got metanoia. That is the repentance of actions and attitudes. That doesn't forgive you. There were unbelievers committing metanoia in the gospel. You can metanoia until your face falls off. (laughs) You have to believe Jesus. And they had a repentance back toward law observance because the law was still in effect until Christ went to the cross. So what about confession? Many people are, oh, well, if I got you right here, McMillan, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us fallen. Right? Yes. What's the context? John is writing to a group of Christians who were battling the Gnostics. The Gnostics said sin is not a real thing. They were sin deniers. That's why he said, if we say we have no sin. Oh, he said, we right there, McMillan. I gotcha. He said, we, did he say we? Oh, I gotcha. We. <laughs> this is a soft we. This would be the same as if I catch, you know, one of my nieces in the cookie jar before dinner and she's attempting to eat some cookies and I got food on the grill. I would say we don't eat snacks until we have our dinner, do we? Or we don't eat cookies till after we have our dinner, do we? Now, am I doing that? No, but this is a soft we. I'm saying we in a nice way. John was a Jewish person. He received forgiveness annually at the temple. He was there when Jesus shed his blood. Do you think John would go from annual forgiveness and then also seeing Jesus shed his blood for the forgiveness of sins to confession by confession by confession by confession by confession by confession by confession? What about the sins he would forget about? How can he keep track? What if his tongue gets caught, cut off? What if he loses his voice? One sin would keep you out of heaven. This is not a con- repeated confession for repeated forgiveness. This is somebody admitting, I need forgiveness. <laughs> That's why it says, he will cleanse you of all unrighteousness. The very next chapter, he says, your sins have been forgiven for his namesake. So repeated repentance does not repeatedly forgive you. Repeated confession does not repeatedly forgive you. Trusting in what Christ has done forgives you once. This is grace. <laughs> this is grace. And it's hard to grasp because you want to you say, nope, you're really not forgiven because look at you. Well, hold on. <laughs> There's a lot of bad things happening in scripture by people who were of great faith. Look at Hebrews chapter 11. You got lots of people who were righteous before Jesus lived. Why? Not because of what they did, because they did lots of bad stuff. It was because they believed God. 
even before he sent the Messiah here. There's even a Gentile prostitute listed, and it doesn't say anything about her changing her lifestyle. You know, so many people want to go back into the Old Testament and use these patriarchs, matriarchs of the faith and say, be like them. Well, have you ever read the life of Samson? <laughs> Samson killed, what, over 3,000 people in his lifetime? Samson slept around? Samson committed suicide? So you are not right with God by anything you do or don't do. You are right with God because you've believed him. From that state, from your state of righteousness, <laughs> then you mature and grow. You don't need your forgiveness threatened. You need it to be encouraged. All right, let's go on to the second one. So the second rebuttal to this, does grace promote sin? Uh, the second comment I received was, you act like sin is no big deal. Okay. <laughs> and? <laughs> it's not a big deal because you're forgiven, but it is still a very, very big deal because it caused Jesus to die. That's the difference. I would actually argue to this by saying, I am making a huge deal of sin. Huge, much bigger than you. If you think that because I say you're completely forgiven, that sin is not a big deal, you are not saying that what happened at the cross is a big deal. So that's the difference. When you get accused of not making a big deal of sin, it's because that person does not make a big enough deal of Jesus. That's the difference. I am making so big a deal of sin, I am saying it caused Christ to die. The wages of sin is death. You know, I love scrolling through TikTok and seeing other people's uh, TikTok ministries. And, but I can, I can typically tell when somebody is taught a sin-focused theology rather than a Jesus-focused theology. Because if it is a sin-focused theology, they don't make a big enough deal of the death of Jesus. They'll say things like, you're slapping Jesus in the face. You, you don't slap Jesus in the face over a sin. Death is what happened to Jesus over every sin. Death. Not a slap in the face. <laughs> That's not enough. But he, he wasn't just slapped in the face. He was punched. He was spat on. He was called names. They made fun of him. They said, look, he can't even get himself down. He was nailed. And he died. So when somebody says, you're not making a big enough deal of sin, or you act like sin is no big deal, <laughs> I, I, I would actually flip that back around on you. And I would say, what are you doing to make sin a big deal? Oh, I'm going to church. Hmm? That's not good enough. Well, I'm studying my Bible every morning, 5.30 a.m. Hmm? That's not good enough. I started a discipleship program. I even got an accountability partner. Hmm? It's not good enough. That's not big enough. You got to make a bigger deal out of your sin. I'm going to seminary. I'm going to study hard. I'm going to become a pastor. I'm going to straighten out the sin of the world. That's not good enough. I'm going to go on mission works. No, that's not good enough. It's definitely not big enough. What are you going to do? Start a social media ministry. I'm going to get up. I'm going to have a live on YouTube. I'm going to have a live on TikTok. I'm going to have a live on Instagram. All three at the same time. I'm going to let everybody know that you got to repent. You got to put God first. You got to take care of your temple and you got to take care of your, here we go. It's not good enough. You're, that's not, that's not big enough deal. The deal's bigger. <laughs> Death. Death. That's why the author of Hebrews says, have you suffered to the point of shedding blood? No, buddy. 
You haven't. So when you accuse somebody of not making sin a big enough deal, you're basically saying what Christ did on the cross was not big enough. The wages of sin is death. Jesus died. It's not the wages of sin is I'm going to start doing a Bible study. Don't get me wrong. I study my Bible. (laughs) I'm not saying anything is wrong with anything that I just said. I am just saying if you would make a bigger deal out of what Christ accomplished rather than sinning, you would understand grace and then this would make even more sense. That's the difference. Making a big deal out of Jesus would be making a big deal out of sin. But because you understand the power of the blood of Jesus, sin is not going to be your focus because you know that you're forgiven of it. Sin is not going to be your focus because you know you're dead to that. That's why in Romans chapter 6, when Paul was being accused, and he said, should we continue in sin? No, I'm not saying that. You have died to sin. Yeah, but I still sinned. Well, you're dead to it. What does that mean? It means it's not natural for you. What's natural for you? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, keeping no records of wrongs, delighting in the truth, not in evil. Everything that comes from the Holy Spirit within you, that's natural. So when you walk in a manner that is not natural to you, you can just get back on track quicker. Not by saying, oh, I guess it's going to make a bigger deal than sin. I got to repent better. I'm going to church tomorrow. I, did, I got drunk again. I got high again. I looked at the porn again. And then you can go to church and you can just flip that around into religious stuff. <laughs> then no matter how much you learn from the Bible, it's not enough. I got to learn more. I got to know more. I always got to be right. I need to get a professor of linguistics and have a radio call-in show and nobody can ever correct me. And I know everything. I wasn't even involved with that for a while. <laughs> we don't have to know everything. Every, we are like we're computers and we got, you know, biblical encyclopedias hanging out of our butts. So you can flip it either way. You got the religious tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You got the non-religious knowledge of tree of knowledge of good of tree of the knowledge of good and evil. <laughs> so we have to get to the point of understanding Grace is a very, uh, see, see what I did there? I almost said sin was a very big deal, but I said grace is a very big deal. See what I did? Because my conscience is cleansed with grace. But sin is a very big deal. Sin is a very big deal. That's exactly why Jesus had to become lower than the angels for a little while. To take care of your sin. Now, if you are doing something that's causing you harm, with people, with, you know, your local government, whatever. It's a good thing (laughs) to do everything you can to make things right. But your relationship with God, your forgiveness relationship with God is not based on apologies. It's good to apologize to people. People want apologies. So often when you tell people about forgiveness, they're like, are you just saying if I hurt my wife, I never have to apologize to her? Your wife doesn't forgive you by the shedding of blood. (laughs) If she did, that'd be weird. God does. That's why Jesus had to shed his blood. You know, Jesus could have been stoned. He could have been strangled. He could have been drowned. But no, he shed his blood because blood forgives with God. Even from the garden, when he made clothes out of the animals, the first shedding of blood. Blood atoned. That was before the cross. Now it propitiates. Propitiate means it banishes as far as the east is from the west. He chooses to remember your sins no more. Propitiate means satisfying sacrifice. So your wife or your kids or whoever you just got into it with, they're not going to require you to shed blood. Yes, apologize. (laughs) Okay. Tell them you're sorry. But you you don't do that with God to receive forgiveness. If you do something and you want to tell God sorry, that's great. (laughs) That's healthy. 
but that's not forgiven you anymore. Christ would have to die again. And Hebrews chapter one says, after providing purifications for sins, he sat down. What does that mean? He's not shedding his blood again every time you sin and then say, God, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? He's going to say no. The life he lives, he lives forever. The book of Romans tells us he's not going to die again. Not symbolically. You can celebrate his death, but you cannot cause him to give you any more forgiveness through any blood or symbolically through his blood. You receive it once. Not everybody's forgiven. 1 John 1, 9 is addressed to somebody. So this error of saying the whole world's forgiven is wrong. The offer's out on the table, but you are not asking for it. You are not repenting of a particular action and attitude. You are not confessing. You are receiving it. And then you are maturing, learning, and growing. And you're relying on the superabundant grace upon grace. All right. So let's go to number three. The third rebuttal to this TikTok I had. Appreciate you guys sticking with me today. I know this is a longer one. Um, here recently, my walk talks have been a little bit longer, but I've just I had a lot to say. <laughs> so, you know, I appreciate that. When I first started doing my walk talks, you know, I tried to keep them between, you know, 25 minutes and 45 minutes. But here recently, they've been over an hour. I don't know how long they're going to be. I'm just going to get on here and talk until I don't want to talk anymore. But thank you. I always appreciate you guys staying and watching me live. That's very encouraging to me. All right, so number three, the third rebuttal to this of does God's grace promote sin in my TikTok that I had posted was you could sin every second of the day until the day you die, 365 days a year, and you're still forgiven. And I was accused of promoting sin, all right? I picked out three of the comments, and then the third that I picked out was this is cheap grace, which will cause people to sin more. Huh. Grace is not cheap. (laughs) You make it cheap when you attempt to earn it. (laughs) Remember, if it's based on grace, it cannot be based on works. So here's the reality about grace. If you are calling grace cheap, you should probably double check your salvation. I'm not saying you're not saved. But I'm saying if you are calling what saves you cheap... If you are calling what God told you to walk by, if you are calling what God said strengthens your heart, if you are calling what grace, if you are calling what Jesus is, double check your salvation, friend. Calling grace cheap? Because I say you're forgiven of every sin? You might hear depart from me. That's the same type of person who is talking to Jesus in Matthew chapter 7. Did I not, Lord? Did I not? I didn't. Did I not? I never knew you. The only way you can know him personally is if you trust in grace. (laughs) I'm just saying. You know, I never want somebody to think I'm not saved. But if you're not saved, and, and I can't tell. Nobody can tell. Some of the most polished people on this planet who run churches, multi-church campuses, thousands of people, they're not saved. There are some. Why? Because they relied on that rather than grace. And you cannot tell who is saved and who's not saved. And then you have some of the most grimy appearing people and the most grimy appearing people who have trusted in the grace of God, they're saved. Never stepped foot in a church in their entire life. Never read a Bible verse. Some of them are in the gutter in India, but they believed. You can't tell. But if you're calling grace cheap, if you say this is cheap grace and this will cause people to sin more, that (laughs) you might be dealing with the fearful expectation of fire and judgment. I don't know. Talk to God about it. (laughs) But the reality is this. Grace is the most expensive Thing in the history of mankind for Jesus. Cost him everything. 
God. Came in the form of his own creation. Played by his own rules. Gave up his life for sin. Yet he never sinned. But that day he became sin. Literal sin. He became it. 2 Corinthians 5.21 He became sin. Grace is the most expensive thing you could possibly think of ever. Ever, 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 ever. For Jesus. For you, it's free. For you, it's completely free. And it always will be. It will superabound anything you could possibly think. That's why I say you could sin every second of the day until the day you die. You're still forgiven. Why? Grace. Why? Because of what Jesus paid for it. What? What was it? His life, his blood, one body, one offering, one sacrifice. It's not cheap, <laughs> it's free. It's completely free. When you attempt to put any type of price tag on it, or when you call it cheap, hmm, I'm triggered right now. Ooh. You're basically saying, hmm, don't do it. You're saying the cross wasn't enough. It's not enough. Nope. Nope. This is cheap. Don't like it. Let's promote sin. Don't like it. Cheap grace, cheap grace will cause people to sin more. Does it cause people to sin more? Is that what the Bible teaches us? No. <laughs> Paul told Titus, it is the grace of God which teaches you how to live it is the grace of God which teaches you how to live. It is the grace of God that teaches you how to live. And he continues. An upright life. A holy life. A self-controlled life. Does that sound like it's promoting sin? Any part of the Bible say that it promotes, oh, just, just, just tickling ears, you're tickling ears, the itching. They go over to that one too. <laughs> the tickling ears, itching ears passage has nothing to do with grace. It has to do with people who were going back to the law. Teachers of the law. That's why Grace isn't cheap. You know what's cheap? The law. It's not cheap grace. It's cheap law. It, mm, I am so triggered right now. <laughs> uh, calm down. The law is what ultimately causes people to sin more. Are you just saying the Ten Commandments causes people to sin? No, not just the Ten. All of it. So, so you say we can drink, smoke, or, or fornicate and commit adultery? No, oh, no, you don't. No, no, no. You don't get to cherry pick. That's cheap. No. The law is not a buffet line. You know, you go to a cheap buffet, you get a cheap buffet, you get a cheap meal. I like that. I don't like that. I like that. I'm going to leave that. Oh, I want more of that. I want, I'm going back for a double portion of that. That's cheap. Cheap buffet, cheap price, cheap food. Same thing people want to do with the law. I'll, I'll take that. That's that's. I'll take that one. Nope. Cheap law. Matter of fact, even though, you know, my point is all of the law has to be followed. If you want to say we still need the Ten Commandments for morality, answer me this. How did they know morality before the Ten Commandments was given? 
if you are taught a Bible worship theology of got to get the word in you, and then they call the Bible the word, which started with the Reformation, <laughs> none of this will make sense to you. I love the Bible. But the Bible never called itself the word. You don't get the Bible in you. You get the word of God, logos, the spirit of Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the word. And this is how you know morality is because of the spirit within you. The word of God in you. Jesus in you is how you know morality. Morality was around from the beginning. The law was brought in so that the sin would be realized even more. You think you're not sinning? Okay, I got something written down right here. Yes, you are. Repent. Cheap law. Grace is not cheap. Law is cheap. We love to cherry pick from the law. And in reality, unless you're Jewish, you don't even get to follow the law. Ephesians chapter 2 says, you're a Gentile. You are not included in that covenant. So it is basically like you, me walking up to my neighbor's mailbox right here, taking out his mail, and then reading it and acting like it's my mail. That's not my mail. That's what people do with the law, but they think they can't know morality unless they have the law. And they fight tooth and nail, even to put the Ten Commandments on the courthouse square. We don't need them. The law causes you to sin more. Not the Ten Commandments. Yes, it does. All of the law. As a matter of fact, there's one of the Ten Commandments listed in Romans chapter 7. And what was happening in Romans chapter 7? They can't stand it because they think that they have to have something that they can say, do this, don't do that. God won't have it. The new covenant, which is the ministry of the spirit, is better. And the new covenant is older than the old covenant because we have always known morality by God, by the spirit of God. You can reject him, you can have a depraved mind, or you can trust God. And that's how you become righteous. That's how you enjoy grace. Grace is not cheap. Law is cheap. <laughs> grace doesn't cause you to sin more. The law causes you to sin more. Grace doesn't promote sin. Grace promotes a holy, righteous, upright life. But when you tell people the bullet points of grace, you're completely forgiven. You're completely righteous. Jesus did this. You didn't. You received it all. You're forgiven. It's done deal. You can't screw it up. They can't grasp it. I get email after email after email after email after email after email. <laughs> You're promoting sin. Oh, you can't just believe once. Oh, you got to do this. You got to stop that. Are you just saying, what about this? What about you? It's too difficult. It's too difficult. Grace is so, so unfathomable. People can't grasp it. But if you've trusted in Jesus, you have already received all of the grace. <laughs> you just got some stuff that you got to unlearn. And what, what do you unlearn? You unlearn the opposite of what grace is. So when you begin to hear people put some type of caveat on the grace of God, you can say, that's not true. And then you protect yourself from hearing that on a regular basis or reading that on a regular basis. Because if you continue in that, you're going to continue dealing with the ministry of death and condemnation. So that's up to you. <laughs> You're free. You're free. So does grace promote sin? I'm not seeing it. The only way you can come up with that is if you lie about what's in the Bible. The only way you can come up with that is if you ignore what Jesus has accomplished at the cross. The only way you can come up with that is if you don't like what the actual gospel message is. The only way you can come up with that is if you ignore what Paul wrote to Timothy. The only way you can come up with that is if you stick to man-made tradition of hierarchies, bureaucracy, sin management, give to get, the church lotto, all of this trash that we have on planet earth under the name of church. It's not the church. You are the church. I'm the church. We are the house of God, Hebrews chapter 3. We are the temples of the Holy Spirit. We are the hands and feet of God. There is one body with many members. Paul told the Corinthians, 
one other thing I want to touch on. I'm going to button this up. In Hebrews chapter 2, the author, whoever it was, it's, it's not signed. Nobody knows who it is. I think it's Paul, just the style. It could be anybody, though. <laughs> but the author knows this will get me killed if I sign this because this is blasphemy. And here's what he said. In Hebrews chapter 2, he said, Jesus tasted death by the grace of God. What? By the grace of God, Jesus tasted death? What? Hmm. But you're saying grace promotes sin? This makes no sense. I know. Makes no sense to you because you aren't taught about Jesus. You're taught about the sin. But it was the grace of God which caused Jesus to taste death. After he had become lower than the angels for a little while, it says. Lower than the angels. Why? Because he's a human. (laughs) But he had to come to planet Earth. He had to live a human life. He had to die. He had to pay for the sin of the world. And it was by the grace of God that that happened. Why? So that you can become one with the Lord. So you can spend eternity with him. So you can be completely forgiven forever. The grace of God caused Jesus to die. He tasted death because of God's grace. This sounds demented, does it? Look at all the stuff that's happening in the Old Testament. I get so many messages about all the bad stuff happening in the Old Testament. Why? Because the sin of the world was still being dealt with. This is why the grace of God was found in the death of Jesus because he died once. So let's look at it this way. By the grace of God, Jesus tasted death, but grace promotes sin? By the grace of God, Jesus tasted death, but grace promotes sin? By the grace of God, Jesus tasted death, but you're telling me that grace Promote sin. Stop. Just stop. Repent. (laughs) Change your mind about this. It's not true. Jesus tasted death by the grace of God because only through the death of Jesus could you become righteous, holy, blameless, forgiven, sanctified, justified, cleansed, perfect through his death. That's when grace happened. Grace doesn't promote sin. Grace promotes Jesus. You want to promote Jesus? Promote grace. (laughs) It'll get you run out of town. You'll lose customers if you're a business owner. I've lost customers. I've had people. I'm a business owner. I own Alarm Security. That's why you guys see this on my shirt all the time. I'm a local business owner. I've been in business over 20 years. I have had people on my Facebook who read my stuff, watch my videos, call my store and tell me this is why I'm canceling my service with you. (laughs) You'll lose customers. You'll get kicked out of religious groups. You'll be ostracized. Nobody's going to understand you. I shouldn't say nobody, but very few people. So what? So what? Keep doing it. (laughs) Keep promoting grace. Because when you're promoting grace, you're promoting Jesus. You're not promoting sin. Tell them they're forgiven. Tell them they're righteous. (laughs) All right, guys. So I hope this has encouraged you today. I hope it's brought to light. (laughs) Maybe some error and some truth. And you should always tell the truth about yourself. What's the truth? You're righteous. 
You're holy. You're blameless. You're a new creation. You're a child of God. There's nothing wrong with you. You're forgiven. And you are awesome. Always tell the truth about yourself. Always be yourself. Love y'all. Thanks so much for joining me on this Walk Talk. Please be sure to rate and review this podcast and share it with others. Subscribe right now so you don't miss out on any new content. To be encouraged daily, you can find me on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. If you want even more information on my ministry or to check out my books, go to www.mattmcmillan.com.